Ezra chapter 1. And I neglected to look up the page number in the Black Pew Bibles. So this is like a sword drill. Draw swords. First one there. Shout out the page number. Ezra chapter 1. Go. 374. Who won? Amanda. Figures. Page 374, Ezra chapter 1. just want to invite you to follow along as we read and re-familiarize ourselves with how this story begins. Ezra 1, starting at verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm And also to put it in writing, this is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and He has appointed me to build a temple for Him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of His people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And all their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold and with goods and livestock and with valuable gifts in addition to all the freewill offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought by Mithridath the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This was the inventory. Gold dishes, 30. Silver dishes, 1,000. Silver pans, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Matching silver bowls, 410. Other articles, 1,000. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Sheshbazar brought all of these along with the exiles when they came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. So, Father, once again, as we approach your word, we humble ourselves before you. Teach us, shape us, show us who we are in light of who you are. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So here we are in Ezra, week two. If you weren't here last week, we gave you the big story. We actually threw three stories at you last week just to confuse you. To try and orient you to the big story of God to this immediate story of Ezra, and then to see how our story is actually connected in to this kind of biblical text as well. And as you can see from our our logo, our theme that we're exploring through the book of Ezra is the theme of renewal, the idea of rebuilding life with God. And I hope that you're joining me as we seek renewal together. So the question I put to many of you this week through the church email was simply this. If we're talking about renewal, let's explore it a little bit. What renews you? What are the kinds of things that renew you on an ongoing basis? 
And if you get the church email, there is even a survey that you could click through to tell me what you find renews you. I present to you the results of our very scientific survey. That which renews, one of the very first things that was identified as being one of the most renewing things, the number one answer. This could be a family feud. I should have done it that way. Spiritual disciplines. Now, this is a church, so I'm happy and delighted to see this as the first one on the list. But the idea of regular times of prayer or, or meditating on God's Word or finding a place to draw strength from those kinds of experiences, that ranked number one over all of them. Uh, number two was rest and vacation. That makes a lot of sense too. A chance to get away for a little bit and unplug. Number three was relationships, spending time with people we care about, renews our beings. Uh, number four was exercise. And one of the counselors that I went to see for a while just said, if I could just tell everybody, if you're feeling depressed, start exercising regularly, and if you still feel bad, then come to me. He was so convinced of the psychological effects of exercise in a renewing of our spirits kind of way. Uh, Number five, hobbies. Being reminded that work is not everything in your world. Or whatever it is that seems like it's everything in your world is not actually everything. Having something alongside that, that you enjoy, that maybe doesn't have the pressure of a deadline or a presentation that has to be made or a sermon that has to be preached, by example. Uh, we have, going on from there, escapism. A couple of you enjoy binge-watching Netflix. But that wasn't actually the heart behind this. It was more... The idea of getting lost in a good book or, or actually watching a movie with someone you care about, like that can actually be restorative. A couple of people said self-improvement and that was, you know, going, doing a diet cleanse or something like that. That was kale was on that list. Um, we had awareness practices and whether that's like the, your Apple watch tells you you should breathe deeply for the next 30 seconds or whether it's an intentional attempt to live with presence and to cultivate uh, being present in the moment. Uh, and we had a couple write-ins as well. The last three down here, uh, someone said learning from good teachers was actually really renewing for them. Or worship was renewing or going to church. That's the right answer. That's great. These are good things. Except for kale. Kale's the devil's lettuce. But the rest of these things are really good. These are good things. They're just not necessarily the best thing. They're really great ways we can partner with God in seeking renewal. But I would propose to you that these are intermediate steps on the journey. They are not the ultimate way to find renewal. So like rest and escape. That those two go together in my mind because escape says I'm going to lose myself at a book for an hour. Rest says I'm going to go on vacation for a week. But what happens when you're on vacation for the week? Work piles up in your absence and then you come back way behind where you're supposed to be and you spend the rest of the year catching up and pining away for that future of next year's vacation when you can finally do it again. And it's this rhythm of longing for that which is to come only for that which is to come to make you further behind. I'm not sure that actually solves the problem. And the whole self-improvement and awareness, it helps our bodies feel better, it improves our focus. 
but it doesn't necessarily teach us what we should be focusing on. Hobbies can be rest, can be escape, they can be awareness, they balance out our lives. But we want balanced lives for what reason? For what purpose? There's There's a much deeper reality that we should be aiming for than simply balance. A balanced life allows for a different and deeper reality. What's that reality? Exercise even. It's, it's interesting, I was reading an article about CrossFit and how it is becoming, in many ways, sociologists are using the same categories as they use when describing religious practices. In the sense that the exercise gives you an, an ecstatic moment and then you're seeking community and relationships and identity and belonging and all of these massive religious categories are being applied to physical exercise now. As people are looking for something deeper. Relationship. Even spiritual disciplines, which we think intuitively is the right answer. But the reason we're doing the disciplines matters. If we're doing them for what we get out of them, if we're doing them so we can think that we're good Christians, if we're, if we're seeking the feeling of the worship experience or seeking the peace that comes from meditation on Scripture or the experience of stillness or the, the freedom of simplicity... It is so easy to slide into the spiritual disciplines because they benefit us because of the results of them that we want in our lives. I would suggest at best these are one step short of the ultimate goal. At worst, they can actually distract us from the ultimate goal. These things, they're all good. I'm just saying they're not good enough. They're intermediate and not ultimate. And for those of us who are seeking like genuine, deep, systemic renewal in our lives, there are far deeper issues here than can be addressed with diet, exercise, deep breathing, and a couple weeks of vacation. I'm seeking renewal. I'm just not sure seeking renewal is the right goal. In fact, I would propose to you that if we are seeking after renewal, we're actually focused on the wrong thing. Which is funny to say as we open a teaching series on Ezra called Renew. But the Bible teaches us that we are created by God and that we are created for God. That the reason we exist is to be in relationship with the God who created us, that we might know Him and be known by Him, that we might enjoy a relationship with Him now and forever, a relationship of love and worship. So what do you think really renews us? Do you think any of our graft renewal practices will actually succeed in bringing long-term, sustainable life transformation? So I guess what I'm proposing is a counterintuitive leap as we head towards the book of Ezra and even as we start and frame this whole series. When we focus on renewal, the feeling of being renewed, the experience of being renewed, that that condition that we're seeking after, when we focus on that, I'm proposing to you that that is the wrong goal and we'll never reach it and certainly not with any of these mechanisms. This morning, I'm proposing to you that Ezra 1 actually reorients us to start thinking about renewal in the right way. Because in our text this morning, 
there are two massive assertions that are being made that shift the way we think about the whole idea of renewal. And neither of them involve pursuing renewal as the goal. Here comes the first assertion that we see in this text this morning. God is the agent of renewal. God is the agent of renewal. What do I mean by agent? Do I mean like put an earpiece in with a little coily thing that goes down the back of your jacket that he's like some sort of secret agent? Well, kind of, yeah. That's a great image for God. What I'm saying, though, is that agency, the one who accomplishes that which is intended to be accomplished, God is the one who does the renewing. God is the party responsible for initiating renewal, for sustaining renewal, and for bringing it to completion. God is the mover and the shaker. God is the one who makes this renewal thing happen. It is not dependent on our machinations and strategies. It's not based on our clever attempts at self-awareness and a balanced life because our needs are so much deeper than balance and awareness. God is the one who renews. And we see it over and over again in this text that God is the agent of change. In verse 1, it starts right off. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. This is not Cyrus's bread idea. He gets no credit other than doing what God told him to do. God is the initiator. God is the source. God is the agent who made things happen. This is what the king of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me. Oh wait, no, here we have the God being the agent of change again. It is God who is orchestrated to bring Cyrus into power. God has given Cyrus all the kingdoms of the earth. And God has appointed Cyrus to build a temple for him at Jerusalem. Who's actually the one doing all the work here? That's right, it's God. God is bringing renewal. And then if you go all the way down towards verse 5, the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone is getting ready to go. Well, who is it that's getting ready to go? Oh, that's right. Everyone whose heart God had moved. God is the one doing all the work. God is the agent of renewal. And that is remarkably good news for you and me. First of all, it's remarkably good news that God is the one who does all the work. Because first of all, we need God's renewal. If we think by changing our eating habits and spending more time in a good book, or even spending more time with the people we love. If we think that's what's going to totally transform our lives, I mean, that's what the self-help industry wants you to believe, and so they'll sell you a hundred books to get you there. These are short-term fixes that can sometimes even mask the deeper root of the problem. I'm proposing to you that God's renewal matters because we cannot maintain the self-discipline that it takes to get there we cannot keep motivated to get there we cannot renew ourselves now i do think we can partner with god in the process which is why i think all of those things we put up on the slide at first are great things i'm not saying 
that God's renewal is categorically different than. I'm saying God is the one who has to do all the work. And we can come along for the ride. And we can partner with Him in that. So we can exercise and develop hobbies. We can spend time with friends. We can improve our sleep habits. These things will help us along the journey to renewal. But there's a deeper need that can't be met by any of those behavioral or surface treatments. We need true renewal. And that's deeper than just changing our habits. The idea here is like if if you've got water that you're using as your source for drinking and it's polluted, you say to yourself, we need to get the water treated. If you're camping, you put a little iodine droplet in or use one of the filters that you've got it. Or or if you're in Gloucester, you get the boil water order every time they work on the water mains and you get that beautiful sludge and, and slime that comes out of your taps and it turns all brown. You know what I'm talking about. And they say, boil your water. But you know what's better than treating water is actually going up and preventing the pollution in the first place. This is the difference I'm talking about here. All the practices that we can do, they're, they're treating the symptoms. But we need to get to the source and to find pure water to drink. And that is what renews. This is what I mean when we say we need God's renewal. We don't need human renewal. We need God's renewal. We need more than just symptom management. We need transformation from deep inside. That comes from God and God alone. We also need it to be outside agency. Because think about it. If you're in desperate need of renewal, what is that condition like? It means you're exhausted. It means you're without hope. It means you're lying on the ground, unable to even stand. We need renewal when we are hurting, when we are lost, when we are broken, when we have nothing left to give. That's precisely when we need renewal. And if renewal comes through human effort, I'm sorry, the whole point here is I have no effort left. I need renewal. I'm empty. And if the solution is to get up, exercise more, take a vacation and get a hobby, I don't even have the energy for that. We need renewal to be from the outside of us because precisely when we need it most, we have nothing left to give. It's like calling Xfinity on tech support to say, yeah, my internet connection isn't working. And they say, that's fine. Just go online and download the guide to reboot your router. You say, Maybe you didn't hear me. My internet isn't working. I can't go online to download the solution that you're recommending. I can't get there from here. Or, or you, your car's dead in your driveway. The battery's dead. And so you call and they say, oh, that's fine. Uh, just take your car into tr- to AutoZone. They have a whole battery testing service that you can do there. And they'll tell you whether your battery needs to be replaced or whether they can just jump it. And you're like, that sounds great. Except I told you my battery's dead. I can't get my car out of my driveway to get to AutoZone to test the battery. This is what I mean when I say we are, when you need renewal, please don't tell me it's up to me. I can't do it. What we see in the book of Ezra is that God is the agent of renewal. So that when we are dead, and when we are broken, and when we are hurting and exhausted and lost, and when there is nothing we can do to conjure the power to renew ourselves, that's where God meets us. And God begins to move. 
The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus the king. The Lord gave the king all the kingdoms of the earth. The Lord instructed him to send the people home. The Lord moved the hearts of the people to even prepare to go. And even moved the hearts of people who weren't going to prepare to give. We have to see renewal does not depend on us. And praise God for that. We need a deeper, truer renewal than kale. And we need it when we are unable to summon that renewal on our own. We need God's renewal and we need God to bring it. And that's one of the things we see in Ezra. That God is the one who renews, not us. That God is the agent of renewal. And that's such good news. There is a second assertion that I want to put in front of us as well. And it's that God is not just the agent of renewal, but He also has to be the focus of our renewal. And this is a huge assertion as well, that God Himself has to be the focus of renewal, not renewal itself. This is big. Renewal cannot be the primary goal because that actually kind of makes it all about us. What can I get out of this this relationship with God? We begin using God as the intermediate step on our path to renewal instead of God being the ultimate. Whether it's that I want to feel better or I want life to be less unbearable or I just want to smile again. Those are very, very real But when we're focused on renewal, have you ever, uh, okay, at the risk of, okay, cat videos. There's all kinds of videos online of cats, and you know where the the sun hits your watch and it makes that little reflection, and you can like put it on the wall, and the cat's going crazy trying to bat the reflection of light on the wall, and you're like torturing the poor animal. Have you ever tried to catch a reflection? It can't be done. Right? We end up chasing this thing on the wall like a cat in a cat video. The reflection isn't the truth. It's just a reflection of what is true, but we could spend all of our energy chasing this, this reflection. But have you ever seen a cat in an honest-to-goodness real sunbeam? Not just a reflection dancing on the wall, but actually... And they stretch right out. And they're like, oh, I'm completely vulnerable. This is amazing. And they soak in it. And they delight in it. Because it's the real thing. It's warmth. It's light. It's safety. And I would argue that renewal, if we're not careful, becomes this dancing refraction of light. A reflection of of light and we can get all hot and bothered trying to chase it and trying to manufacture renewal and if we can catch it it turns out that what we caught wasn't satisfying to begin with it's just a brighter spot on the wall we need to aim higher than the renewed self renewal isn't actually the goal here we have to aim higher than the renewed self as our ultimate objective Life with God is the goal. We've got to seek God, not renewal. 
seeking him and finding him, knowing him and enjoying him each day, each moment, not the reflection that's dancing on the wall, but the warmth and safety of a sunbeam, a life of worship oriented around God's presence and focused on his glory. And we see this, I can't point to a specific verse in Ezra where we see it, but it's actually pretty much the whole chapter. Because as the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's appointed me to do what? To go and build a temple for him at Jerusalem. So we have this temple language here. And then if you go a little later, uh, we've got, there they are again, any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and build a temple of the Lord. And then further on, may their God be with them. And a little later on, if we go all the way down again, as people are considering going back, everyone whose heart is moved by God, prepare to go and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. What's happening over and over here? We keep going to verse 7. And Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away. And what did he bring? He brought out all this good stuff. He brought out gold dishes and silver dishes and silver pans and gold bowls and matching bowls and other articles. And some of us, our eyes are glazing over saying, what's Ezra getting at here? And then the chapter ends and all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver that they brought with them back from Babylon to Jerusalem. What is the point here? The point is all of Ezra 1 is focused on the temple. All of Ezra 1 is focused on the temple. There were The temple represents the centerpiece of God's relationship with His people. I'm arguing to you that this emphasis on the temple is an emphasis on the relationship God has with His people and seeing that relationship renewed. Right? Renewal wasn't their goal. There's a lot of things absent from the text. As in, what was absent? They weren't focused on going back. There's no mention of reclaiming their territorial lands. That would have been a really big deal. It's just not mentioned first. Uh, They weren't focused on this first step towards geopolitical independence. They were still underneath Persia. But to being told they can go back and rebuild their temple and rebuild their identity, that's a step in the right direction as far as an oppressed people group is concerned. There's also, strangely, no focus on seeds or planting or how are you going to live when you get back? We've got a lot of silver bowls. (laughs) How are we going to survive? They weren't focused on military defense or a military escort or raising an army to defend themselves. The the normal things that people were getting excited about, saying, hey, we're going to go and be renewed, we're going to go... They're all missing from Ezra 1. Because... Renewal isn't the goal of Ezra 1. Life with God is the goal of Ezra chapter 1. It is to get the temple, the temple, the centerpiece of their relationship with God. This is what the temple represented, right? It's the sign that says we belong to the one true God. It's the place where God would meet with them. The entire chapter is focused on God renewing His relationship with His people as He calls them back to build the temple. And may their God be with them. So hopefully you hear what I'm trying to say here is that we can actually get sidetracked by chasing after renewal when who we should be chasing after is our God. 
It's interesting because in Ezra's day, the relationship that was mediated through the, with God was mediated through the temple. Sacrificial systems, priests and Levites and offerings and festivals. These were concrete ways that people could live out their relationship with God. But that temple and everything associated with it was also pointing to an even greater reality that was yet to come. In our day, our relationship with God is not mediated through a temple, but through Jesus Christ. And Jesus actually is everything the temple was pointing to. And Jesus fulfills everything the temple was trying to teach. God Himself became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Atoning for our sin once for all. Jesus, the great high priest who mediates between God and us. Jesus, the one who destroyed the distance between a holy God and a sinful people. This is incredible. This is God with us. And it's possible because of Jesus who fulfilled everything the temple was pointing to. And because of Jesus, we can now enjoy not just a reflection of what God might do someday, but we get to stretch out in the actual sunbeam. And that brings renewal. You see the switch. Right? I'm, I'm arguing that God is the agent of renewal, but He's also the focus of renewal. So let me see if I can sort of wrap this up and, and, and put a bow on it. We started by saying, here we are, it's Ezra. Renew, rebuilding life with God. Seeking renewal. We started by saying, what renews you? And we went through the whole list of all of these things that renew us. And we're saying these things are really, really good. They're just not good enough. Because seeking renewal as the end goal, it's the wrong goal. Our deepest need is to know God and to be found in Him. Our deepest need is to know Christ and to enjoy a relationship with Him. And when it all comes down to it, what we see in Ezra chapter 1 is that God is teaching us that renewal is not something we can accomplish for ourselves. He's the agent who makes all the change happen. And that renewal itself is not the goal we should be chasing. But God should be the focus of renewal. So if you put it all together, if you want to be renewed, don't seek to be renewed. Seek Jesus. And renewal will be along in due time. If you want to be renewed, the message of Ezra 1 is to seek the Lord Jesus. Because renewal is the result of knowing God. It is not the goal. So as we continue from week to week, as we say we want to renew, yes, we want renewal, but there's an intentional tagline here. The real goal here is to see our lives with God rebuilt because that's where renewal comes from. If you want to be renewed this morning, seek Jesus. And renewal won't be far behind. Will you pray with me?
Lord Jesus, I am thankful for the truth of your word. And honestly, I'm thankful that you're a God who cares enough about us to even desire to bring renewal. I'm thankful that you're a God who knows us so well and you see the condition of our hearts and you see when we are broken and exhausted and hurting and wounded. You see when we have nothing left to give. And I am so, so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you did everything that was necessary to be restored in our relationship with God. This morning, we thank You for coming to this earth to show us God's own heart. We thank You for dying on the cross for our sins that we might be forgiven and reconciled to our God. We thank You for rising again and proving that You have the power to conquer sin and death forever. And we thank You that You've promised to come back so that one day we will be with You face to face and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain or no more need for renewal. Because you will be with us and be our God. And we'll be with you face to face. And until that time comes, thank you for being the one who does all the work. Jesus, you know who's in this room. You know where each heart is. Holy Spirit, meet us here. Right where we are. Thank you for not asking us to get our own car to the dealership. Thank you for not asking us to get online to find the answers. Thank You for reaching down from on high to take hold of us and to lift us up out of the pit and to put our feet on solid ground. Not because we're chasing after renewal. Because we're chasing You. Even that is a work of Your Holy Spirit. So this day, in this moment, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, create in us a desire to seek You. Beat back our pride. Overcome our feelings of defeat. Meet us in our brokenness and our pain. And invite us to stretch out and rest in the great sunbeam of God. Because we need you. To your name, Lord Jesus, be all the glory, now and forever. Amen.